Any views expressed in this program do not necessarily represent those of WSIC. All systems are a go. Ladies and gentlemen, hold on to your seats. Taking care of Iredell with North Carolina State Representative Jeff McNeely is about to begin in five, four, three, two, one. Good morning, Iredell County. Hope everybody's doing well out there this morning. Looks to be a pretty nice day. I say it might rain at the end. I don't know. It's nice right now, though. Get out and do something. Get moving. Hey, uh, big day today. A lot of stuff going on today is the uh, day for filing for elections here in Iredell County and across the state. The first day. It's open for about two weeks. Uh, I'll be heading out probably just a smidge early, so I'm going to do the prayer a little sooner than normal. I'm going to ask Joe Berg, my main man on the other side of the board over there, a question that I think he'll talk about for the next two days. And so that'll give me a little time to slip out. So if you're thinking we're going to get going a little early, yeah, I am. I'm going to try to get down there. I'd like to be one of the first ones to go ahead and file for my house seat, District 84. Folks, I hope you support me. I hope you vote for me. Uh, I'd like to go back to Raleigh and continue to serve you. I've 23 years of experience serving Iredell County in some form or another, and I want to continue to do it. Uh, I think experience is a really good thing. Uh, so please support. Uh, moving on a little bit quicker here, and let's get on with the show. Uh, got Jack Clark. Uh, Jack, I know well. He works at the NCGA. Uh, I think he's uh, rich. Let's see. What is he? He's not chief of staff. He's research assistant, I think, for Kyle Hall, representative from up in Stokes County, one of our main uh, people on appropriations. So Jack works with him and on the budget. So we'll talk to him here at the second part of the show. Uh, if anybody like to call in and talk this morning and feel fired up, 704-873-1400. Love to hear from you. So give me a shout. Um a lot of stuff going on. Uh, sorry I couldn't be here last week. Was on a, a conference out uh, west, a uh, legislative conference uh, for conservatives. Uh, really good. A lot of policy talked about. A lot of good ideas for doing different things. A lot of good ideas on how to stop some of the stuff that's going on that's coming from the far crazy left. In the meantime, though, um, you know, there sort of was a peace a ceasefire a little bit over there in the Middle East in Gaza uh, until there wasn't. Uh, and all of a sudden, missiles, uh, missiles were launched and whatnot by Hamas. In the meantime, um, rebels in Yemen who were backed by uh, Iran uh, launched missiles and drones at the USS Kearney and also some civilian ships. And uh, so things are picking up over there, folks. Uh, I'm afraid we're going to get sucked in if we're not careful, and I don't know where it's going to end, and I don't know how bad it's going to be. But uh, the, the it's escalating by the seconds. So we'll see. Also on Friday, uh, Sandra Day O'Connor, uh, first lady, got to call her. Let me finish this little part. First uh, woman in 1981 that was uh, appointed to the uh, U.S. Supreme Court. Passed away, uh, great lady, uh, trailblazer, and led the led the charge. And now we have, I think, three or four women on the board uh, on the Supreme Court right now. Uh, done a fantastic job. She was kind of the one in the middle that that pivoted some, but by and large, good justice. Uh, let's go and take a call and see who we got, Joe. Hey, this is Representative Jeff McNeely. Who we got? Hey, Jeff, this is Keith. I'm a I tell you what, you're, you're real easy to get a hold of, and every time I've got a hold of you, you come back with answers, and we need more people like that down there in Raleigh. I'll, I'll vote for you. I appreciate you, man. Tell everybody. Tell everybody. I need all the help yeah. I can get. 
Yeah, I will do it. Thanks, Jeff. All right, and you take care. Appreciate it, Keith. Yeah, I see you. See you, bye. Thank you, sir. Appreciate that support. Hey, um, like I said, Sandra Day O'Connor passing away. Sadly had dementia the last good bit of her life, and so didn't really get to look back and enjoy the, the fruits of her labor on the court and how it paved the path for more women to be appointed. Uh, so my father and I've had quite a few of my family with Alzheimer's dementia, and it's a sad disease. Uh, growing old isn't easy, especially if you're a McNeely or an Austin or a Cheryl, one of those. Um, so um, Godspeed to her and, and condolences to her family. So, uh, In the meantime, though, Representative George Santos, New York Republican, been in the news time and time again, uh, was finally basically ousted by the House. The U.S. House voted to remove him. Uh, all of the Democrats and about half of the Republicans voted, and there was enough majority to get that done. Kind of crazy. Uh, uh, one of the first that was not a felon or a member of the Confederacy uh, dismissed from the House. And... Uh, He's been accused of stealing campaign funds. I think there's about 23 different federal charges lodged against him. Um, But not had a trial yet, so not had due process. Um, Do not think that he's a wonderful person. Do not think that he probably needs to be in Congress. But I do think he does need his day in court maybe before being expelled. With that being said... If the Republicans were willing to do it, and it sounds like they were because they put, they put forth the charges, uh, my question is, on the Senate side, uh, why are we not going to talk about Senator Bob Mendez? And, and as bad as George Santos was, he lied about his resume, and it does look like he's maybe stole from his campaign, and that's bad. Trust me. I, I think he deserves whatever punishment he gets. Uh, but Senator Bob Mendez uh, has continually taken bribes, uh, looks like, from a lot of the Middle Eastern countries uh, that are involved in what's going on over there in Gaza, especially from Egypt. One of his own fellow members uh, you know, said that he was actually the senator from Egypt, not the senator from Pennsylvania. So I think or he's Jersey. I got to remember which one. I think he's Jersey. Uh, I'm about positive of that now. Uh, so kind of ironic uh, how this is all shaping up. But um, you know, uh, at what point in time are they going to expel him? Uh, he's going to get indicted for felony charges for sure. So we'll just see how this goes. Uh, not sure that any of George Santos's are are felony charges federally, but they are uh, quite a number of them. So. Uh, and it was a pretty close vote. 221 to 213 had to be 217, I think. Uh, no, uh, yeah, I think, well, that's what we are now. Excuse me. He has quite a few votes to get rid of him. But we're at 221 to 213 with him stepping down. So there's only like a three-vote uh, give in the House right now. So looks like to get anything done, it's going to be pretty contentious going forward for uh, Speaker Johnson. So this should be interesting for sure. Is that all right time over there, Joe, so I can make sure I got it? Okay. All right. Just want to make sure I'm not looking in the wrong clock here. We moved our clock around a little bit. So getting ready to get close here to the 11.15 break that we'll do. Um, Don't know if I want to get into this, but we'll go ahead and start it. Biden administration has just released new rules on their electric vehicle batteries. And basically, if it doesn't come from U.S. manufacturing, uh, we're in trouble. 
because you will not get the $7,500 um, subsidy on this. So it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out. Uh, some of the big players, Ford, G, and all of them have already teamed up with a lot of uh, uh, either Chinese or Indonesian uh, companies to make the batteries. So now it's come around and it's going to be totally different. And I wonder how the battery plant that Toyota is building down there on the mega site in Liberty, how that's going to play out. So uh, there's a lot of question marks from the new ruling that just came out. Um, and, you know, here's the other flip side of it. Where are we going to find these minerals, these hard minerals it takes to make these? So, you know, coming back, hear the rest of the story on this. I got a little bit more. Taking a break right now. Stay with us. All right. Back here for the sort of the middle part of the show here, getting ready to head towards our guest there at the, at the 11.30 hour. Uh, getting back into it, like I said, Biden administration uh, has re- sent out new rulings, and this is left over from uh, one of their large spending bills where they had to figure out how they're going to implement all the green stuff. You know, he, he's determined he's going to go down as the uh, green initiative president. So um, they've Set it up to where if the, the any part of the batteries, pretty much, I think they can go up maybe to 25% can have foreign material in it. can be manufactured with foreign material in it. Uh, anything more than that, you will not get your $7,500 subsidy for buying your electric vehicle. So this is going to make things kind of interesting. Uh, people are already playing the game, and now they change the rules. So uh, here's the real thing, though. At the same time, at the uh, COP30 summit, so that's sort of like you're leading 30 economies in the world, um, and it's headed by one of the crown princesses of, uh, of uh, uh, Saudi Arabia. Uh, they've had a thing where they went in and they basically have voted now to try to you know, curb fossil fuel as much as we can to keep the temperature of the earth down. Uh, we're back on uh, global warming instead of climate change. It went to climate change when things weren't working out because of the global warming, but now it's getting hotter again. We're back to that. So anyway, but uh, the Biden administration basically has pledged along with them to end cold power plants by 2035. So here we are building electric vehicles with batteries it's going to have to be made pretty much mainly all in the united states so we have to source all these minerals i guess we'll, maybe we can bring them in somehow but i don't see how with this new ruling so we're going to have to unearth them or we're going to have to come up with smarter ways to make batteries so we can make these vehicles they won't and then on top of that we're going to shut down all of our coal fire plants by 2035 so folks that's pretty aggressive that's just a little more than 10 years from now we're going to have all this new technology so that we can do this. So, and I know people say, well, coal is bad. Uh, they'll be going after natural gas next because they've already gone after a lot of the natural gas appliances. It, you know, it emits methane into the air. And there was a whole lot of discussion at this COP30 meeting about methane and about the flaring where you let to burn off the, the, the propane methane of natural gas. So that's that's causing damage. So they'll go after that next. So what I see, and, and does anybody else here see a, a problem with this? 
uh, we're trying to figure out more and more ways to make it uh, more electric vehicles, more energy to be used. But in the same process, we're doing our darndest to figure out how to cut our power uh, ability to supply. And, and I, I think this is maddening. Um, uh, they have gone now with the scrubbers and everything they have that, that actually coal burns pretty clean. Uh, but I know it's not perfect, but natural gas burns as clean as anything. And so they're not going to like it either. So at my question, where do we end up? Nuclear, I guess, they don't really care for it, but it is by far the cleanest uh, of the non-renewable greens that they do with solar, wind, and everything else that you have out there. So uh, I don't know. I, this has just got me kind of bum-fuzzled how we can make up these rules conflicting ourselves. I tell you what, I see by 2035, if we decide to do all this and go this way, we're going to be a third world country. We're not going to have hardly any power grid. Uh, we're not going to have any food. We're going to end up messing with that too, going after it. I mean, it's just going to be one thing after another, after another, after another. There's no logic in this, no sense at all in this. I can see not building any more coal plants, but I really can't see shutting them down till we come up with some kind of better technology. So putting a date out there in the future somewhere or another is crazy. It's just crazy, okay? Because that's what they're going to do. And I don't know if y'all remember, but right there before Christmas last year, basically what Duke Power had done, I'll always call them Duke Power. I know it's Duke Energy. But they had shut a lot of their plants, taken them back off the line, running as minimally as they could to work on their emission levels. So they don't have the technology to burn cleaner. They're just going to burn less. Well, the problem was all of a sudden, kind of out of nowhere, nobody predicted the weather right. They didn't ramp up their power in time. Next thing you know, there was an overload to take on that cold, cold weather. Didn't have the power to do it. They actually went into an area of, of their different codes that went beyond anything they'd really ever been at. They actually jumped over one code near the end. It went straight to it went straight to black or red, and blacks when they ain't a power at all, and it was right there for a lot of us. So not good idea. The doing what we're doing. Uh, cold may not like it, but you got to have them around because they are effective. They do work. So the, you can't just get rid of these. Maybe you can keep them offline some, but you better be ready. Uh, being unprepared is not the way to go. It is not the way to go, believe me. Uh, Boy Scouts would be really disappointed in everybody right now because you've got to be prepared, and we're not. All right, moving on a little bit of ag stuff. This has really been bothering me a lot. I've been watching this to a point. Uh, the bird flu is still out there. Now, there was just a big settlement here the other day with a lot of the larger egg producers, and, and they're going to end up owing a whole lot of people money. They supposedly price-fixed eggs, and that's where you saw eggs go crazy, and they did go ridiculously high. The sad part is is they almost needed to go there for them to actually make a profit with the cost of feed where the inflation had drove that product because I sell it and I know. So it wasn't like they was actually getting dirty rich with the price of where eggs were, to be honest with you. And there's no way they can make it at $1.50, 2 bucks a dozen. They just can't. So it's going to be interesting, but those penalties have play. But the poultry industry is taking a toll on it. They're getting ready to put down 1.35 million chickens on one egg farm up in Ohio alone because of this bird flu. Now, we're already up to about 8.1 million birds killed this year because of the bird flu, and in 22, 
we killed nearly 58 million chickens trying to prevent the spread of the bird flu before it takes out all of them. And I get what they're doing. Uh, and they're doing a lot of things to try to prevent it. They're, they're having employees shire, change clothes from house to house. A lot, of, a lot of effort being put forth, a lot more work, a lot more problems than they've ever had before. And, and like I said, feed costs are up, the pyre's up, everything that you go about doing is up. And so it's really putting the poultry industry under stress. And then you have the the people on the other side, the environmentalists, going after them, trying to attack them every which way they can. They look at them as big ag, and they're going to shut big ag down, just like they tried to go after the hogs. And they hurt the hog people bad, and they'll hurt the poultry people bad right in the worst time that they could do it because it costs a lot of money to defend yourself in court these days. So I look, the poultry industry is in a real struggle. Things are not good. It's really tough right now. And this is one of the things that I couldn't quite get. We killed all these chickens, but bird flu is very, very rare to human. It's causing a problem. Now, it's fatal to birds, but not to humans. And these birds possibly could have been processed in a way and cooked. Uh, if it gets up over about 160, 70 degrees temperature, that will kill this virus or about any virus out there that we know of. And so my question is, we've killed all these birds that it looks to me like possibly could have been processed, cooked. I'm not saying you got to go eat it. I'm not saying that anybody, but there's a whole world starving. And I think the products could have been sent somewhere or another instead of just killed and buried. And you think about now, well, we're talking about 58 plus 8, so we're about 64 uh, or 66 million birds that have been destroyed just in the last uh, almost two years. Uh, I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong on this. I, I've talked to a lot of people, and they said, well, yeah, it could have been done. So, you know, there's a lot of question marks here with people starving and whatnot. Could we not have done something with some of this? Could we not have processed some way, cooked it, make sure it was already done, then refroze it, shipped it, whatever it takes? To me, that's a whole lot better than burying all these animals. Because you're going to incinerate them and then bury the rest or what there is. And then next thing you know, you could be into a groundwater contamination from all the all the huge amounts that we've, we've buried and tried to dispose of. So... I look back when I was a kid in the 70s when aphitoxin was real big in corn, and only people in agriculture will understand this. And it was almost weird as a child. I even realized and said this made no sense. Uh, we had a bad drought that year all through the Midwest, and so the aphitoxin, which is a mold, was really high. And aphitoxin, they proved, can be uh, carcinogenic to, uh, to mice in laboratories and possibly humans. So the idea was we'll bury all this corn, and they did. And it wasn't much more than about a year later, they said, you know, we can take corn and make ethanol out of it and turn it into fuel. So I don't know how many hundreds of thousands of bushels of corn they buried that could have been made into fuel uh, but was not, and of course, corn prices went out the roof and everybody's food went up, and I don't know if you remember this in the 70s. We were fighting inflation. Jimmy Carter was in the White House. A lot of things going wrong. A lot of things didn't make any sense. Uh, had the oil embargo. So you scratch your head. 
I guess what I'm trying to say at the end of the day, we scratch our head on all these things with what the Biden administration's doing. One was setting up these uh, large hurdles to jump over to get the EV subsidies, and then on the other side, they're cutting out. I don't think we got time. That's my caller, and yeah, we'll hold him there. So uh, just we're going to do away with our power source. Now we're killing all these poultry off. Uh, could we not use them? I know at some point in time something will come up. We'll figure it out. But uh, things just don't make a whole lot of sense right now. Uh, I think they will. It'll come to light in the end. But it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Some of the things that we do uh, as this country. And uh, it's very concerning. Very concerning. Look, like I got my guest on the line. So we'll hold him through the commercials. Stay with us. Should be a really good show. I think you're going to like Jack. He's a good guy. All right. Come back and see us here in about three minutes. All right, back here with the last part of the show. I'm going to see if I got my guest on here. Hey, Jack, are you there? Yep, I'm here. How are you? I'm doing well. Folks, got got Jack Clark on the phone. You know... Uh, Jack, I've got to know you here the last little bit pretty good. Tell us who is Jack Clark. Tell us all about you. Tell us your family. Tell us what you you know everything that you can. We want to learn about Jack Clark, our listeners here in Ireland. All right. Well, I'll start from the beginning. Uh, I'm originally from Washington D.C., but I managed to escape the swamp. There you go. Uh, when I came down here for college, I went. To, I got my economics degree from Duke, and then a master's in accounting from UNC. Uh, I worked a bunch of years as an auditor. Uh, that was my career uh, until I recently made the switch into politics. Uh, I got married last year, and um, you know my wife is encouraging me to follow my passions, and I've always been passionate about politics. So um, that's when I applied for a spot in the General, General Assembly, and it's been uh, really interesting to see how, how things work in politics. Uh, I've had the fortune of working for, for a budget chair, so I've been in the room when they're deciding where the budget goes, and... Uh, as an accountant in the private industry, it's it's definitely a lot different seeing the government accounting going on, but um, it, it's been really interesting. I've really enjoyed it, and felt like uh, throw my hat in the ring for a state auditor. Well, you know, I, and I don't know if if this was something you this one actual position, something you've been thinking about, but you know, with with your career path that you've taken, uh, it fits you perfectly. Uh, and I know you took a pay cut to come and hang out with us yep. in the house, a big pay cut. Uh, folks, uh, unfortunately, research and legislative assistants do not make a whole lot of money. Uh, so, uh, it, it, But they get all the excitement of seeing sausage made in front of them. So, uh, and, and when he says he's been in the room, it, it's the budget room between the House and the Senate, and, and it goes on for hours and hours every day, sometimes weekends, but into the late of night, into the early morning, I just, uh, it's, it's ongoing and, uh, you know, 30, $30 billion. So you got to help spend $30 billion. How, how was that? Yep. that? That was probably pretty exciting. <laughs> yeah. I've, uh, audited big companies before. And, um, so I'm, I'm used to the big money, but 30 billion is definitely, definitely up there. It is. Now uh, you say you've done auditing all your lives or not all your life, but all your, in a lot of your professional career being a CPA. And, and I think the, I think the key thing that you tell us a lot too is right now you're the only one with a CPA, uh, degree license running. Isn't that correct? Yep. Uh, as far as I know, there's, uh, seven of us who have announced. Wow. I'm the only one with a CPA, master's in accounting, 
there's one other guy with some auditing experience way back in the day, but, uh, you know, I, I've been auditing very recently. And um, so uh, a lot of good experience from some of the other candidates and things like business or law, but that just, that just doesn't prepare you for auditing, um, like actually being an auditor does. Well, I, I know. Uh, it, uh, and now when, Kyle Hall, uh, Representative Kyle Hall from up there in Stokes, I guess Stokes and part of Surrey, um, good guy, friend of mine, uh, like I said, one of the uh, main appropriation chairs. And Kyle's big thing's always uh, been, in the last little while anyway, is over the member request. So whenever me or all the other members want something, we, we try to all get it down on paper and get it to Kyle, and that comes through y'all's office. So I'm sure y'all seen a lot of interesting requests over the last few budget cycles from, from people yeah, like us. <laughs> Well, one Kyle loves meeting everyone, especially the freshmen, uh, and he he he'll, he has to meet with freshmen every now and then to tell them, hey, this is probably not something that we can can give you. Here here's some better ideas for types of requests. Uh, but he, definitely a, a good number of representatives came by our office to uh, to talk with Kyle, and I was there in the room, kind of helping guide him through those requests. I know. There's definitely some interesting requests going on. Yeah, I, I think it might have been two budget cycles ago. Yeah, I think it was two budget. So one of them it was a hundred million dollar request to to go to build a wall in Texas from us. So I said that sounds great, but I don't think we're going to spend a hundred million in North Carolina money just yet. Maybe we should. Maybe it's maybe it'd be a good thing if everybody chipped in. But anyway, I know that was one member's request. I remember that. So so like I said, I'm sure you get a lot of interesting ones. I, I know mine's some of the best requests. You don't even have to tell me that. I just know it. So that's all right, Jack. You don't have to admit it in front uh, of everybody. Oh, yeah. He, he just he just knows. The request comes by his desk from you, and he, he just passes it on. That, that's right. That's right. Tell, tell him, no matter what happens, with tell him to keep doing that. <laughs> tell him to keep doing that. All right. And, and, and I know she's no longer in the picture. We wasn't sure where she was. You were in the game whether she was or not. But uh, Beth Woods, uh, Beth's been the auditor, what, was it 10 years, 12 years? How long was she the auditor? I can't remember. It's, uh Sixteen years. Sixteen she, she years. She won in two thousand eight. Okay, and then she worked in the auditor's office for a while before that. So she's been in been That's in right. that for about last twenty five thirty years. And you know, good, bad, and different. Beth, I think her office has done a good job. You know, we kind of feel like it's been waning here the last little bit for sure, but overall has done a good job. Uh, I always say she doesn't really look at the red or the blue, and most times she she looks at the green and where it goes. So she was always pretty tough. But she's stepping down. I guess it's already – is it happened yet? Is it supposed to be the first part here in December. I forgot what day. December 15th. 15th. December so, 15th is so the it's last coming. Day. It's coming. So anyway, uh, but she's stepping down. I, and, you know, I I was at uh, government operations. Uh, I'm on that committee, and, and she come before us uh, looking at unemployment and, uh, and announced that day to us. We felt like we were one of the first ones to find out at that meeting. And it wasn't long after that, uh, I believe the uh, the left turned on her and decided they were going to go after her so they could get somebody in there appointed since she was kind of a lame duck for the next, you know, uh, whatever, uh, going on about 12 months almost, so uh, or at least 11. So I thought that was kind of ironic, uh, but like I said, things got a little checkered there at the end. She had a little issues with some driving in a parking lot and another car, and I'm not going to get into all that. But I appreciate her. I appreciate her service for the state of North Carolina. And, and and what was your take on Beth? You're you're you know CPA auditor. How how did you feel like her department did 
by and large? Well, by all accounts, her um, auditing skills were very good. Um, she did uh, just because a lot of Democrats were mad at her for auditing some uh, Democrat priorities. She definitely didn't see things in terms of party. Uh, there were things in the last year that you alluded to that uh, called into question her integrity. I think if she had uh, just stayed there maybe three terms and not ran the last time, I think um, her legacy wouldn't be hit like it is. But yeah. um, from, from all accounts, she, you know, she did do a, a solid job, but, uh, you know, hoping to, to get a uh, Republican there now. And uh, so uh, Governor Cooper actually appointed her successor, mm. uh, who's an attorney. Uh, former county commissioner, and again, that's good. Uh, good experience overall, but um, not not quite the auditor that uh, certainly that Beth Wood was. And even um, the individual who Beth Wood beat in two thousand eight um, was also a CPA and a longtime auditor. So we've had that uh, longtime auditors in that role for the past twenty years. Uh, so hoping to keep that streak going. Well, I'm sure, with this, and I haven't really paid close attention to see who he's picked, but I'm sure it's politics. It's not about whether they can actually do the job, <laughs> and and trying to give them a leg up. So, but that you know, without the experience of auditing, I, I, you know, I, and really not the experience of being in government real real far uh, in in the upper echelon, really doesn't mean a whole lot what they're bringing to the table right now. So it's wide open. It's wide open, I feel like. And oh, yeah. How long has it been since we've had a, a Republican interstate auditors? Uh, I'm trying to think. It, well, I, we've I, had one Republican state auditor in the past 146 years. Well, that's what uh, I knew. Two, yep, 2004 to 2008. Uh, Les Merritt. Yeah, I about CBA. forgot about Les. About forgot about him. So, uh, so there you go. So we're due. We're due. And <laughs> that's right. We're due. Well, all right. Well, let's talk a little bit here. We got about, uh, I don't know, about 14, 15 minutes here. What are some of the main goals that you would like to see at the state auditor's office happen if you get elected? What are some of your main things that you want to do? The first thing I tell everyone is I want North Carolina to be the best-run state in the country. So anywhere that I audit, my goal is to set them up so that they can do things better in the future. Um, the auditor's office is... Uh, has the skills and training to be able to uh, help these agencies or the boards or municipalities uh, to kind of set up their their financial processes to uh, not have any waste or fraud in the future. Uh, most people see the auditor as a watchdog goes out and catches people from misusing state funds. That's certainly one thing we do. But, uh, you know, I, I want on a going forward basis um, for everywhere we audit to, to be set up to succeed. So that's really my main uh, number one goal. Okay. Well, I, you know, that, it's always better to be proactive than reactive. And, and so I, yes, exactly. I, I feel like a lot of times when, when the audit comes, that's the reaction. We saw a problem when we got to go do it. And, and one thing I, I will say, uh, being on government operations, you know, our job is to try to figure out how do we make government more efficient? Where are the bottlenecks? Where Where are the problems? Uh, is there something legislatively that caused this, or is there something legislatively that can fix this? And so I think it's real important that we work hand-in-hand hand with the auditor's office because y'all give us the hard facts, the hard numbers yep. to be able to make the decisions. Other than that, you know, it may be a lot of hearsay, he said, she said stuff, but with the auditor coming in, it finds out uh, what actually did go on 
And was there anything inappropriate or was it just poor management? And a lot of times, it's not something really illegal. It's just poor management, but it still ended up costing the taxpayers of North Carolina a lot of money. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, you referenced it. The auditor tries to find the objective facts. Uh, It's really important for an auditor to be objective, to be independent, to be unbiased. Um, And that's something you learn in auditing. And because then we present it to you or you know, whoever else, the attorney general, if it's, um, if it's a legal matter. Um, and, and everyone needs to know what the auditor finds is just the objective, factual truth. Um, so that's definitely one thing I'm going to focus on uh, as state auditor. Well, uh, and I, I think that's critical. I think that's critical, like I said. And, and I also think that, like I said, it doesn't matter whether it's led by a Republican or led by a Democrat, whatever branch of the government, whatever division of it, it it's got to be looked at, and the numbers shouldn't lie. The numbers aren't red or blue. Yep. They're black and white, and that's what we want. So, hey, Jack, we're going to take a little bit of a break. We're going to come back. Got about uh, probably about a 10-minute stretch or so, and, and then we're going to end up. But uh, So just hold tight with me, and everybody out there, too. All right. Hold tight. All right. Here, back with the tail end of the show here. Got Jack Clark, CPA, auditor. He's running for the state auditor's position that's uh, open right now with Beth Woods getting ready to step down. So, Jack, you still with us? Yes, I am. All right. Well, Jack, let's talk a little bit about the department itself. I mean, how large of a department is the North Carolina State Auditor? Is it pretty good size? Yeah, so there's about 130 auditors and then about 30-ish uh, staff you know, back office. Um, so there's a good number of people, but it's a $30 billion state budget. So I think it's it's a good ratio. I'll definitely see when I get there, um, you know, how how that size works and if I need more or fewer people, um, that'll be that'll be something for first few few months in the office. But uh, yeah, hundred uh, hundred thirty auditors so uh thereabouts in, in the department. Just trying to get you'll have to try to get there and get a feel then to see what the needs are. But I mean, you know, exactly. I, to me, uh, I mean, I don't want to see two thousand people over in our state office, but I want to make sure you're staffed enough because it's important. Uh, it doesn't take long for y'all to, to to find and make back your pay. Let's put it that way. If things are going wrong yep. with with thirty billion dollars on the line, so I mean, you got to have somebody overseeing it. You got to have somebody that's going to stand accountable for it, and make sure there's somebody there to make them stand accountable for it. So that's kind of the gov ops, and that's kind of where y'all come into play. So that's important. All right, let's let's talk a little bit about our our social media. We're all on your. Where are you at? And what's some of the ways we can find Jack Clark? Well, I'm on. Let's see, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Um, my website is jackclarknc.com. Uh, all the links are on there. Um, I think my Twitter is jackclarkcpa. Uh, Jack Clark NC, I think, for the Instagram and the uh, Jack Clark for State Auditor on um, on Facebook. I'm not, you know, it's campaigning's a lot, especially statewide. Uh, so I don't post as much as maybe I should, but uh, I'm getting out there in the state and I. Uh, periodically post updates on all those sites. There's no best way, whichever your uh, your poison of choice in terms of social media um, is open. Well, and like I said, that's, unfortunately, that's a part of the game. I don't do as good a job with mine 
Uh, I probably should find somebody that, that does more of it for me, but I'm kind of a one of these kind of people that like to do my own. You know, I like to put out what I want to put out there yep. on it. So I am a millennial, so should should come more naturally to me. Yeah, well, you're busy. That's just it. If somebody yep. actually has jobs yep. and busy, it's hard. I don't know how people find the time to be on social media as much as they do. Uh, Facebook's about all I can got time to do, and I don't do a real good job with it, but I, I do what I can. You know, so uh, and it's a big state, and I've noticed you've been traveling it from one side to the other. You were here in Ireland not too long ago. So that that you know, yep. I mean it's all over, uh, long way from Murphy to Manio, long way. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, and it's especially tough when you know we're in session and I'm spending late nights in the budget room. Can't can't be campaigning then. So no. uh, once the budget got out, I've I've been more out and about. Um, but I really had to wait for the budget to be done and really for session to be over. Yeah. And and now you're we're into what I call you know today's filing day. This is sprint. It's a sprint today. So you'll start you'll start today, but it's also a marathon too because it takes a while. Uh, so uh, you're going to be running wide open, but you're not going to be moving real fast and running all over trying to catch every event. So you'll be somewhere just about every day, every night doing something. So hug and kiss your wife. Tell her you'll see her soon. It'll be sometime it's in sprinting a marathon. It'll be sometime in yeah. It'll be sometime in March, but you'll see her soon. And uh, go ahead and get to, get your cholesterol level up and get your caffeine level <laughs> up because that's kind of what you live on. I told somebody during usually during election time, if you cut me, uh, blood doesn't run out. Cholesterol does. Sort of a greasy looking clear thing. But anyway, whole another story. Whole another story. Well, let me ask this question too. Let me ask this question. It's what I always ask people running. Why should we? Why should people here in Iredell County or even North Carolina, why should we vote for Jack Clark? What is it that we need to know that should make us want to vote for Jack Clark? Because I'm the most experienced candidate uh, with the best vision. Um, I, like I said, I'm the only one with the CPA, uh, only one who spent his whole career auditing. Uh, and I really have more of a positive vision. Some of uh, my opponents don't necessarily really get what auditing is. Um, and so they're you know making campaign promises that aren't, aren't really in the purview of the auditor. So you should vote for me uh, to get a CPA in there, to get an auditor in there, um, and really be able to go in on day one and uh, understand the role and um, really do the best job to serve the people in North Carolina. Well, and experience is critical because without experience, staff runs the show. And, 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 yep. and we don't, you know, you don't really have time to have somebody get this learning curve. You need to have somebody that knows what you're doing, uh, that's been there and understands it and is ready to go and go to work the first day, not trying to figure out where the bathrooms are and not trying to figure out you know, how to get to the parking lot and all this stuff and just get through security. So I, I think that's a good thing. You're already in the NCGA. You've been on the you've been on the side there, then, and got to watch sausage being made by us. So you you've you've learned the nuts and bolts, got some experience with that, got to meet a lot of people that will help you. You know, if you need help, because you're going to need legislative help always, and and we're yep. going to need you or somebody just like you, hopefully you, to help us do our job better too. Just like I love serving on the Government Operations Committee because I feel like I'm saving the, the taxpayers of North Carolina money, and I feel like that's what you're in this for too. At the end of the day, you want to make sure that we save the taxpayers of North Carolina their hard-earned money. That's what the auditor does. They Absolutely. Say they, they make sure every dime, every penny is spent the way we intended it to and for who it's intended to. So 
Well, Jack, I appreciate having you on the show. Thank you so much. Good luck. We'll keep in touch. I maybe try to get you back on here in another couple months is when it starts getting down to crunch time. Uh, if there's anything I can do in my office over in Raleigh, please let us know. We think you'll do a great job. Yep, thanks a lot for having me on. I right. enjoyed it. All right. Well, you take care, sir. We'll see you soon. You too. <clears throat> Well, like I said, folks, I'm going to end a little bit early, so I'm going to go ahead and do the prayer. And then I've got a question for Joe over here, and we'll see how that goes. But I'll probably be stepping out. So let's bow our heads and say, Dear Heavenly Father, Dear Lord, a lot of people are going to show up today, and they're going to register to be a candidate for one of these different positions that we have in our government in this country, in this state. And, Lord, I pray you bless them. I pray it's a long journey. I pray that we all understand that we're doing this and you're going to be the ones that put us in place. We're just going to do what we can to make sure that it happens, but it's going to be on you. So, Lord, I just pray for the blessings. And, Lord, I pray that you help me keep my position in the state house because I feel like I've worked hard and I want to try to do the right things in your sight. So, Lord, I just pray you be with each and every one. Give us wisdom. Give us knowledge and safety. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. Amen. All right, here is the question. Joe, what do you think about Florida State being left out of the college football playoffs? This has got to be like the the biggest story of the weekend, whether it's actual news, like politics, or or just sports. This is the news of the weekend. Well, a lot of great teams. Yeah. A lot of great teams, but hey. They're undefeated. Oh, yeah. They put a team in. Actually, they put two teams in with losses and leave a Power 5 conference. Who We have won championships in football in this conference, and Florida State has won championships in football, so it's not like they're an upstart program. And the other quarterback's hurt, but it's still, last time I checked, it's the 12 men on each side. Or excuse me, 11 men on each side. There's 12 when it's illegal play. <laughs> but uh, 11 men on each side of the ball. And so I don't get it. Uh, it's a team sport. So I'm going to step out. Joe's going to talk about this. Yeah, this is a, a very – it's a bad situation, honestly. You have the college football committee who basically said, we know better than the results that were on the field. We know that Florida State went undefeated, but, you know, they're the ACC champions. They didn't lose. But it just sounds so much nicer to the committee – to have Alabama in there instead. And uh, that's kind of what it boils down to. So if you do follow college football and if you understand what's going on in the college football world, as I'm sure Jeff does know as he follows it, uh, Alabama has been a powerhouse for the past, I don't know, 10 years or so, maybe even longer than that. But they've just been a dominant force in college football. And Florida State... They've had up and down years. They were great when they had Famous Jameis on their team, uh, even though that came with a ton of controversy. But now you have a situation where the college football committee said, we know that you won your, your conference. We know you went undefeated, but you don't have your starting quarterback and you didn't have your backup quarterback. It would just be more entertaining and it would probably lead to better football if we left you out of the college football playoffs and decided, you know what, we'll jump Alabama in there. I think it's a terrible precedent to set. And I feel bad for the kids, all the kids on Florida State. I mean, they got punished for a injury to their quarterback. The entire team, the entire coaching staff, the school. And you got to remember, 
this all boils down to one thing, and that's money. The amount of money that your program gets for being in the college football playoffs is astronomical to just being in a regular bowl game. So that's a really horrible situation, honestly. You have the college football committee just deciding to put their stamp on the playoffs, and that's the situation that we have with Florida State. It's been a, a, an interesting one. Well, thanks for tuning in. This is, uh, this is Taking Care of Iredell with Representative Jeff McNeely. It sounds not, nothing like Jeff, but uh, he had to run out a couple of minutes early. We've made it to the end of the show today, so he will be back next week. And until then, as he always says, take care. You've been listening to North Carolina Representative Jeff McNeely. Join Jeff again next Monday morning at 11.05 for Taking Care of Iredell on News Talk WSIC.